How to be an artist. Step 32. Discovering your voice. With guest Ben Simonson. Ben Simonson, uh, welcome to How to Be an Artist. Thanks for joining me here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Good to finally have you here. And, uh, you know, feels like uh, good old times, you know, hanging out again. Um, I've had the honor of, of, of being able to work with you twice. And so like we go way back as far as, you know, obviously eight fish days, the legendary eight fish days. Um, also legendary in another way, uh, Disney days. Um, but I've always thought of you as, as of, of all the artists I know, especially ones I work with directly, you probably have some of the highest like standards of excellence like in the work you do. Um, and I've always really admired that. And also this like insane ability to kind of like do everything and do it, do it like really well. So, um, like I've always really looked up to you and admired your abilities in that regard. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to have you here and, and have the opportunity to kind of like dig into your mindset and your, the way that you developed and approached, um, art. So, um, awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you. That was, that was nice of you. Y yeah. You know, uh, um, one thing I, I often think about and, and worried about, uh, when we, when you and I started working together at eight fish, mm -hmm. I don't remember if I was the art director at the time. I don't, I don't remember because I didn't start out as the art director there. At, at, at a, yeah, you definitely were there. Were art director while I was there. I don't know if it's if, if it okay started before that or or you know during that time. But yeah, but when I when I did start there, I was just a lowly artist like everybody else. You know, like I <laughs> I got all the grunt work and everything, and and we sat together like the illustrators sat together in a group in, in an area. Yeah. And we worked together and that was like with Gibbs and uh -huh. Carrie, his wife. And we sat together there and, and I remember like we used to talk about stuff, talk about art and all sorts of stuff. And then when um, I became the art director there, there was this shift that kind of happened where I wasn't a part of that group anymore. Hmm. Even though we sat together, like I wasn't a part of those conversations anymore. It was sort of like, you're the boss or what you're the yeah. art director and then we're the artists kind of, you know, <laughs> and, um, I've always worried about that a little bit because I didn't want it to be that way, but it's just sort of this natural thing. I think that happens when there's that separation sure. of, of yeah. people. And so I hope that I never did anything or said anything that like offended you in any way or made you feel the little oh, no. or anything because no, I always not. worry about that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I just, I just like looked up to the work you did. I mean, there's definitely a sense when I was, when we were working together at eight fish where I'm just like, crap, how can I like try to keep up with what Ben's doing? You know, like there's always kind of that feeling of like, ah, geez, you know? Um, but you know, part of it was, it was helpful too as a lesson for me of being like, okay, like Ben is like excellent in these areas and I need to try to find, I need to try to find like my own little niche to stand out, you know? So it was like this kind of balance of like learning to be like, okay, I, I want to learn from that, but also like I have to kind of find my own, my own voice or my own thing within, within, you know, eight fish and later in my career, that's like, okay, here's what I can do. Here's what I can bring to the table. So 
yeah, it was such a fantastic learning experience. I always think back to eight fish and it was, it was a really rough experience for me, like, um, for all sorts of reasons. And most of them having to do with just like my own immaturity and, and unpreparedness, unpreparedness for, for working in that world. But man, I just, uh, at the time I was just like, oh man, I want to be somewhere else. But now I look back on it and I, and I see all the like valuable things I learned, you know, being there. Um, and obviously I just like, um, all of these like lifelong friends that I gained, you know, being there. And I, I think that's kind of one of the funny things about life is, is that I've been thinking about a lot lately is you think there's all these situations you're put in where it's just like incidental people that you end up working with, but it's never incidental. It's always like those people become part of your life. And I just think about like everyone that I work with there, like almost every single one of them, I, I still have some sort of connection to, you know? Um, and that I've had other run-ins with, I've worked with like everyone there in some sort of different capacity. So, um, yeah, you just never know. You never know how those things are going <laughs> to, you know, turn into a whole life, you know, it's so the foundation of a whole life. So anyway, it's, yeah. It's times. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, and the more I've, you know, grown and matured, the more I realized that the artist community is actually really small. Yeah, <laughs> you know, especially the, the the working artist community because you know we all know artists in our family. My cousin's an artist, and so on and so forth. But they don't do it professionally. But the ones that do do it professionally, that group is actually really small. And living in Utah, I mean, it's, it's even, even smaller. smaller you know? <laughs> so, so that's what's cool about places like eight fish where we all kind of crossed paths at one point, you know, then, and then we all kind of branched out and went different ways and, and learned different things. And, and it's yeah. cool that we can still be friends and connected in a way, you know, with work or other things. Yeah. I mean, all my other job opportunities since then, like all my legitimate job opportunities were like people I worked with at eight fish. So like working yeah. at EA, working at Disney was all because of like people I, I met through that experience. So um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So um, <laughs> since we're uh, I, it, since we're on the topic of eight fish, yeah, you know, if we just talk about that for a minute before we dive in. Yeah, let's let's go for it. Days. I mean, I've 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 like really briefly touched on it, and I think with with David Hobbin, but this this is probably the first time we've ever talked about it more in detail. So yeah, yeah, if you want to jump and, into and it? I think I think especially for those that are listening that don't know what eight fish is because eight fish isn't around anymore. Yeah. I think that's, that's good to hear. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I'll just start from where I started. So okay. Ernie, yeah. Ernie Harker, he started eight fish and he was a storyboard artist in the ad agency world. And he started eight fish as during the dot-com era when things were just booming like crazy. And he was doing tons of ad work and, and things like that. And, um, it was right after the kind of like the dot-com crash that he had to scale it down. And so the eight, the number eight happened to be the number of people that was working with oh. in the studio at the time. Hmm. And so, and then it, it got pared down to like, I think it was three. It was Ernie Harker, uh, Tim White, and Brian Worthen. Okay. And so, so Brian's Brian Worthen, like a super OG. I didn't realize he went like so far back. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was there before I was, and so okay, yeah. And he was a he's a he was a graphic designer at the time. Now he's like mm-hmm. an amazing photographer. Yeah. Uh, Tim White was was he's also the graphic designer, but he was like vice president of the company mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. And then I got hired on, and what's funny is I I was working at a I was working as a graphic designer for a sign company. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was making like. <laughs> I think I got a raise right before that. I was making like 10, 10 an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ernie was like, I, I had applied. He was looking for some illustrators and I had applied. And um, he's, he wanted to hire me on at like 15 bucks an hour. And I was like, yeah. oh man, 15 bucks an hour is amazing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, then, and, then you, and then I realized that, that actually that 15 bucks an hour doesn't go very far because mm-hmm. he hired me on as a contractor. And so, yeah. so now I'm paying for, you know, all my own taxes and, and health insurance and all that other stuff that, that goes along with being a freelancer and a contractor, you know? And I didn't know anything like like when i look back like i didn't really know anything and when i got hired there like i could maybe push a few pixels around in photoshop and illustrator but that was about it yeah and when i when i got there he was doing ad work and advertising work is so fast paced yeah and they need it super quick and they need a high volume of it and they need also a high quality mm-hmm. and I like, I couldn't even do that. And I would watch, I, I'd stand over his shoulder and we were in this little teeny office and, and I stand over his shoulder and he was like playing the keyboard. Like it was like a musical instrument. Like he knew like every <laughs> shortcut and everything. And he was just plowing through all the shortcuts in every single program that was available at the time. And I was just like blown away. And I remember, um, you know, he would tell me, Hey, I need you to, I need you to do this one project. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I have no idea how to do it. And I'd stay up, <laughs> I'd stay up that night, like all night long trying to figure out how to do it and how to do it in a, in a way that was proficient. And mm-hmm. that happened several times at a fish where he would give me a project. It's like, Hey, you need to do this. And I would literally have no idea how I was going to do it. And I just, yeah, had I should probably make it. I should probably mention that kind of what I, one of the reasons that probably was is just that eight fish was kind of a place that did everything. It was just yeah. kind of like people would come and ask to do a, do a job and you'd be like, yeah, we can do that. And so the type of stuff you were assigned was all over the place. You know, sometimes yeah. it was illustration, sometimes it was storyboard, sometimes it was design. Sometimes it was like cartoony stuff done in illustrator. Sometimes it had to be done in Photoshop animation. And so it was always just like, and it was, fast turnarounds and so he'd be like okay you got two hours to design the characters you got three hours to rig it you got like super super fast turnarounds on these like really small budget projects um yeah and it was always totally different stuff you know all over the place yeah and and you you would go from like like you said you'd go from doing an illustration for a magazine one day to the next day you're in after effects doing 2d animation on characters you know yeah and and you had you had to like jump between those different um you know opportunities in creating art you know you had to know those things and know how to do it yeah and yeah it was sort of like a boot camp for me (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Ernie was just like, he, he was just, you know, so like, okay, just go do it. What's taking so, you so yeah. long? You know, like <laughs> what do you, you know, one of his lines that, that I, I like to use today, even though it's completely uh, inappropriate is, it's like, what are you guys eating? Retard sandwiches in here? What is this? You know, he'd say that. <laughs> and I still use it today. And my, and my boss has to go, hey, uh, yeah, I can't probably do that. shouldn't say that in meetings. <laughs> yeah. But, but he would do that. And there was all this pressure to like, man, just do it as fast as you could, as high quality as you could, you know, and you'd have to learn whatever you could to get that project done on time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Ernie was a very, very, very focused guy too. You know, yeah. I remember when I yeah. first started, I had to work in his office on something, and I was working on some like After Effects thing, and I was like, kind of trying to chat him up, and he just was like, had no time for that. He's just like, yeah. he's <laughs> like, I'm working right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And so, I mean, that literally was like a boot camp for for me that that, that studio, and. Uh, and it was cool to see that studio grow as Gib- I think Gibbs came on next and his wife came on. They were, they just graduated from BYU. Mm. Uh, Gibbs, both of them were animators and we needed animation capabilities and um, Gibbs was more on the illustration side of things. And then, and then I think you had come on next after that. Probably not right? long after that. Cause I can, I can still remember that. I can still like coming in and just being like, Oh yeah. It's like Brian Gibson, carry you, Ernie, Tim. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. And then we had, um, and then we had several other artists that kind of came through at different times, like uh, David Hoppin, who I think he only stayed for like a year or so. Yeah. Maybe less than that. I mean, Peter Sakovich, he would kind of come Peter in, Sakovich. pop in and do contract work. Um, yeah. You know, bronze had had a stint there. Bronze right. swallow, yeah, yeah. And Ryan, what's Ryan's? I'm drawing Ryan Fredrickson. Yeah, Ryan Fredrickson, who's a who's an amazing fine art painter now. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. just fantastic. And... Yeah, I one of the things I really um, admire about like Ernie too is that like. Uh, there's that whole period when we were like all gung ho about like creating animation pitches. Do you remember that? Yeah. When he and was we like, went, we went to San Diego, did Comic Con and like pitched our stuff in, at, at San Diego. Uh-huh. Um, that was probably like the highlight of, of, of like my, I mean, it was the, doing the Maverick commercials, those animated Maverick commercials was also like really, really awesome. Like I really enjoyed that, but going San, down to San Diego was amazing too, just because like, it was the first time I had a chance to see like Ernie outside of the context of like being the boss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like us enjoying, it was just like having fun the whole time, even though obviously we were like focused on like trying to like, you know, pitch our stuff, but it was just like, it was just like kind of this like celebration after all this like hard work we'd, we'd been through at this boot camp place, you know? Yeah. But there was a really great energy during that time, you know? Totally. And I think that, that was, that was one of those those moments where we kind of mind melted together. We got together yeah. and we like, hey, here's this idea that I think could be cool. And then you're contributing ideas and other people are contributing ideas. And we're building these things that are really cool. Yeah. And in fact, I, I still have some of those 
some of my uh, pitch bibles that I did. Um, do you remember Asgard High that you did all the designs? Oh yeah, for? absolutely. Yeah. That was so much fun. I felt like I grew so much just like just doing those designs. It was like really yeah. cool experience. Yeah, and yeah. I still I still love those designs. And in fact, if somebody offered me, you know. <laughs> the opportunity to, to do that project, I still would do it because I thought it was a super cool project and the, the work um, you had done on it was great. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to be able to like sync up that way and it's like you had an idea. I would get excited about the idea, you know, and yeah, yeah that was really cool. And I, I think we really like carried that, you know, on to, to other things we were able to do, like being able to work together at, at Disney. Um, unfortunately, like when I was at EA, I didn't, I didn't end up working with anyone that was from from eight fish. So Gibbs and, and, and bronze were both at EA. I never worked with them the whole time I was there. <laughs> and so I was like super frustrated, <clears throat> you know, after experiences at eight fish. Um, yeah. um, but anyway, man, do you want to, uh, do you want to get, should we go back and kind of like, uh, tell the, the Ben Simonson story? That's yeah. this is kind of like the part of the movie where we start in the middle of the movie at eight fish. But now uh -huh. we got to go find out like the origin story about uh, where it all, all happened. <laughs> so you actually, you grew up pretty close to where I'm living now, but it was at a time where um, it was a little bit more of a, known as a rougher neighborhood mm -hmm. at the time when you were growing up, growing up there. So maybe you can kind of talk a bit, a little bit about, um, yeah, growing up in, in Rose Park. Yeah. So you live in Rose Park, right? Mm-hmm. So I lived, I grew up in Glendale area, which is right next okay. to Rose, Rose yep. Park. And this is all part of Salt Lake yep. City. It's a just, lot of people just, kind of sometimes just refer to that whole West side as Rose Park too, yeah. even though it is one specific neighborhood, but yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because Rose Park is probably bigger or, or what, but because people, when I say Glendale, they'll say, oh, is it Rose Park? Oh yeah, 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 it's close to right there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of around there, yeah. It's kind of around there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I grew up there in Glendale and we had this little house. Um, my parents bought it and I could, I'm sure I had the story totally wrong, but apparently there, the story was that there was a biker gang that lived in the house and, <laughs> and I don't know if it went into disrepair or whatever, but they ended up getting it for like super cheap, like, like $20,000 or something like that back in the, okay. yeah. 70s it's like 70 something 75 76 something like that super cheap and they had to and they had to redo everything and my dad was kind of the he was a handy guy he he worked in construction and heating and air and so he did a lot of the, the work himself and so um i think before they had converted the garage to uh, a bedroom uh the house was around 600 square feet i think is what it was total and then when they yeah. converted, they got an extra 300 square feet. So we're around 900 square feet in this little house. And, um, uh, you know, when I look back, like, I don't think of that house as like this little teeny house, you know, it was kind of like <laughs> a magical place for me, you know, this, my room was like this magical place and it was like the size of a closet, you know, but I like mm -hmm. loved that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anyway, like, like, like that's kind of this, that the size of houses that we lived in. And I think that was kind of reflective of either people that were families that were starting out, didn't have a lot of money or just lower income. 
in general. And, and I don't know if it's just because of lower income or what, but that, that kind of breeds, you know, crime, I think a lot because you, you just mm. don't have a lot, you know? Yeah. And, um, when my, my dad passed away when I was just three, just a kid. Mm. And so we were, we were on welfare for like most of my childhood, you know, and luckily for, for us, we were members of the church and mm. they have a really, you know, expansive wel- welfare program. And so that's, that's the food that we ate was like the food from, from, uh, you know, the church programs where they provide yeah. free food for everybody. And, uh, and, and even though like, even though that sounds like we didn't eat very well, like I actually still have fond memories of eating that kind of food too. You know, it's, it's limited in what you can eat, but we still, yeah. still have good food, you know, as a kid. And anyways, um, I think, I think part of my personality and I think a part of uh, personalities of a lot of artists is that we're introverted mm. and we like to be by ourselves and we like to think in our heads and, and spend time drawing out ideas on paper. And, and, and I, and I also think that a part of my, my, um, personality kind of came from my dad passing away and you, you don't have that that one person that, you know, like your dad's always pushing you to try new things and go out and hurt yourself and see what happens, you know, and I didn't have that. And my mom was, was, she was always very loving and caring and, you know, as moms are normally they're, they're very protective, you know? So I sort of lived in this sort of protected little home where I didn't really try anything new and didn't do anything new. And, that meant that I spent a lot of time in my room drawing pictures, you know? So it started pretty early then to like the drawing. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, um, my, 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 uh, my kids like to laugh at this cause my grandpa, he, he has this video of me. I don't know if I was like five or something and I had drawn a, a monster robot thing and I was like, oh, I'm drawing a monster. But I was like, I was so afraid to say anything on the camera. I just had like my head down the whole time of just like holding my picture in front of me, you know, because <laughs> I was so shy and introverted, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think along with, with that environment, um, a lot, like I was, I was essentially the minority there hmm. being white and so a lot of my friends were were hispanic african-american and um, polynesian that's just sort of the 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 demographic that lived in that area and i think i don't know i'm I'm assuming rose park is kind of still that way in a lot of ways there's a lot of yeah uh, there's there's still a a pretty good mix yeah Yeah, you're having more more of that like uh, gentrification happening but it seems to be it's mostly the old it's like old like super old white people that are mostly the ones moving out that young white people are, are, are taking their place, but um, it's still very diverse. So it, it's about, it's a little under 50% Latino in, in Rose park. So yeah. yeah. And very, yeah. of course, very strong, like uh, Polynesian communities here too. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, racism is such a big topic these days. And it's often against like, you know, Asian, 
people and, and uh, Hispanic people and things like that. And for me, my experience growing up as a kid, I was often the one that was being hated because I was the white kid. I'd be huh. called hon honky and white bread and all sorts of stuff, you know? And huh. it, it was an interesting experience for me. And so, um, so I did like spend a lot of time by myself when I was younger, just, just doing a lot of drawing. And I think if I would have grown up somewhere different or had a different upbringing, maybe I wouldn't have even been an artist now. I, I might have been like my dad was in construction and all of his brothers were in construction. I probably would have went into that field or something, you know, thinking like art was fun, but it wasn't the job. But because I had kind of like those isolating kind of like experiences as a kid, that's where I really kind of developed myself as an, as an artist. Um, but when I got into, you know, I, I had friends and, and a lot of my friends a lot of me and my friends, we weren't really into gangs, but there's a lot of gang activity in that area in Glendale, mm -hmm. especially when I was growing up. And so, and a lot of their family members, cousins and things like that were in gangs. And so you kind of like were around it all the time. And, um, and you had, you know, all those problems that come along with gangs with violence and, and, drugs and drinking and murder and all those things that come along with it. And I had, I had, you know, friends of friends who, you know, had murdered somebody and had gone to, to jail for life. And then I have, I have friends from growing up that if you go to mugshots.com, you can see them growing up every year. Jeez. They've got a new mugshot, you know? And so, Jeez. um, the, what was like, like that was sort of on the fringes of my childhood. Like mm. I was, I wasn't, I was never in a gang or anything like that, but I had friends who were in gangs and, but it wasn't really about, um, that for me, hmm. like, um, it was about, uh, you know, hanging with my friends and drawing and, and that sort of actually influenced my, my artwork at the time as a kid, you know, when, when graffiti and tagging was a huge thing, like, Oh, that's all I drew was like low rider cars and <laughs> mini trucks slammed out and, uh, gangster type characters, you know, like baggy pants and the big shirts and hats low and, you know, colors like, like, uh, you know, their rags that they would, ha they would hang out of their pants, you know, like, like I would draw that stuff, you know, and I would, um, because I was influenced by, by the friends that I had and that environment that I lived in at the time. So uh, do you ever, do you ever like run into fr old friends from the neighborhood too? Is that still like, uh, or keep in touch in any way? Like, um, I, my, so I had a, like a, my, my mom, she, when I was 12, 11 or no, I was 12. She got remarried. And uh, my cousin, my step cousin, is one that I kept in touch with quite a bit. He he he's just a year older than me, hmm. and we 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 kept in contact quite a bit hmm. um, until I until I'd gotten married and had kids, and then I just don't keep in contact with anybody. But out of <laughs> out of all the friends that that I had growing up into my teenage years and everything, he's the only one that I really kept in contact uh, okay. with. Huh. And you know. 
like as I've matured and grown, I sort of wanted to stay away from that. Like, sure. and that meant also staying away from those friends that I had and all those other things that, um, that I didn't want to be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, this is a joke, this is totally a joke, but like, I've, I've said this joke before, like, yeah, you know, if I invited one of my friends over the next night, they would, they would rob me, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that's just like the personality types the, of the people that, yeah. that, that I lived around, you know, they, they wouldn't, they totally rob you if they saw something <laughs> that you had that, that they wanted. Well, that's, you've mentioned before that just like growing up, you just never left anything like out in the yard just cause you knew it'd be gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never. <laughs> Never like in the middle of the day too, you couldn't leave your bike out front. You'd be gone in, in two seconds yeah. and Jeez. it wouldn't be like some stranger that stole it. It'd be your friend across the street who's, who took it yeah. and he'd hide it from you, you know? <laughs> and in fact, um, I have a story. I, I was, uh, I was probably 17. Maybe I was sitting in my front room and I was looking out the window and I saw my mom pull up and she had groceries in the car and she had to go to work. And so I see her get out. She's like, Ben, uh, come help me get the groceries. I got to go to work. And I'm like, okay. And she gets out of the car and just come, comes up to, to tell me at the window. And right behind her, I see this kid run around and get in the car and steal the car and take off with all the groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man, what? What just happened? And she's like, somebody stole my car. You know, it's like. That's the type of stuff that happened all the time, you know, and even like my, my, you know, you know, there was, we, we had, we had like played church ball, you know, church ball in, in LDS culture is like a huge deal, right? When you're, especially when you're like, everybody plays church ball, right? And there's some serious rivalries that happen in church ball, even though, (laughs) even though we're all supposed to be like, you know welcoming and kind people <laughs> as soon as you get on the court it's like all that goes out of the window and it's a full-on yeah. fight you know yeah and we had um we had we had this guy he was a polynesian guy he had, he had come into our 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 ward i don't know if he moved in and in our ward being our church but he had he had come in and they had they had called him to be the uh like uh I don't know, physical, physical, like fitness or something guy over basketball. Right. Yeah. And so he, he, he came to me and others and he started recruiting all these kids around the neighborhood. And all of us were either associated with gangs or in gangs themselves, you know, and he was trying to bring us all together to play <laughs> church basketball. And Are he, some of these like, not even like church members, just like no, not even church members. Just like, Hey, we need yeah. a, we need a center. Do you know anybody? Yeah. I know this tall kid, you know, <laughs> he's kind of a drug dealer, but we could get him to play, you know? And so we got yeah. all these kids together. And in that area, in our area, we, you had wards that were, um, Hispanic wards, and then you had wards that were also Polynesian wards, and you had mm-hmm. these different wards, and we would play together. And oftentimes, within gangs, Polynesians and Hispanics and other people, they're not friends, you know? Yeah. They're not a part of the same group, but we would play basketball together. This one game we had played, we played a Polynesian ward, and we had, like, 
destroyed the the we just completely destroyed it in the game to the point where we were like fifty points ahead and we were just taking shots from like half court just to just see if we could make it, you know, because we were just destroying them. And and uh, that the those players got so mad, understandably, right? Because we were yeah. just jerks. Yeah, and they had gotten so mad that it turned into a full-on brawl with the whole team. Every team was just at each other, just punching each other and fighting each other. You know, at the end, at the end of the game. But um, because of that one experience, for years afterwards, there were certain streets that I couldn't drive down in Jeez. my neighborhood because there was certain people that lived in certain areas. You know, and. My car, like as a teenager, like, you know, as a teenager, you don't have any money, but I had, I'd saved up enough money to buy this car and it was like three or four, you know, three times my tires were all slashed. All my windows were broken out. You know, it's like, that's the type of environment type of stuff that you had to live through. Yeah. You you stood out too. So it's not like when you're driving down the street, you can like kind (laughs) of hide. No. You know, I'm like one of one of only like three white kids that lived in the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. You kind of say that it's at a certain point you decided like, um, that's that, that sort of like context or that sort of like uh, social group or whatever you kind of needed to move away from that. Um, what was, how intentional was that experience? How did that kind of experience happen? And, and what was the process of, of, of being like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find something different than this. That makes any sense. Yeah. I think it was, it was gradual. Hmm. Cause I, I actually remember a clear moment when I was, I had gotten a job at a, a Mexican restaurant hmm. and I was a busboy there and the people that I knew and that I hung around with and their parents and their uncles and aunts, they all worked at like restaurants like this, like a yeah. restaurant or other places, you know, and some of them worked at hotels. Some of them, you know, they, they, they did a lot of that kind of blue collar type of work. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, Oh, this is it. This is, this is how my life is going to be like. And, and I was okay with that. Like I saw these people and I thought, yeah, I, I don't have any problem, you know, with this type of career. Like, I don't know if you call it a career. You're just kind of moving from job to job, you know? And uh, it was sort of this gradual thing where I was like, well, maybe I should go to school. Maybe I should go to, you know, now that high school's done, maybe I should go to college. And I didn't even know I wanted to be an artist at the time. I just knew I liked drawing art. So I was like, well, I'll just take some art classes, you know? And you start mm-hmm. to slowly realize as you're taking more classes, you're being exposed to more, than what your little world was that you realize like, Oh, I could actually do this for a living. I could be an artist, you know? And I think even today, like even with people that I know that have, uh, you know, every opportunity in the world, they don't realize that you can be an artist. You know, you can can do that for a living. They think like, Oh, I need to be a lawyer or I need to be an accountant because that's, that's a sensible job. And, Mm-hmm. you can make a living at it but in reality you can be an artist you know and i did it took me a long time to realize that hmm. so it was kind of the process of going to school 
and little by little you're taking art classes just out of interest. You're like, Oh, maybe I'll take this art class. When, when did it kind of strike you that like, yeah, this is the, this is what I'm going to go after. It was, I was, so I was like halfway through school and I went to the Salt Lake community college. Yeah. And it, and it honestly, it was like, like I didn't have any direction from anybody. Like, there's mm-hmm. nobody saying like, hey, you know, you you like art, you should go to BYU or you should go to Cal Arts or you should go this. Like, I had no idea any of those things existed, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, there's a there's a college over there. I'll just go to that and see what happens, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I started going. <laughs> I started taking art classes and then I and then I had like a portfolio class and it was like, yeah, you should put your work together in a portfolio in a way that you can present it to people, you know. And so that's what I did. I, I printed stuff out and it was like really, it was like a difficult process back then. You couldn't just print it out on your home computer. You had to like go to like a printing house yep. to have it printed and everything. So it was a super difficult process. And so I printed this book with my artwork and, and it, I'm sure all of us have this, this portfolio. I think I still have it around, but it was like all those things that you that you think is really cool is like a, a kid or a teenager, you know, in your portfolio that actually has no um, value in the real world of creating artwork for a living. Yeah. Yeah. But I had that portfolio and I started going around and actually people started like hiring me for work. I was like, Oh, I get paid to do this. Cool. Let's, let's do more (laughs) of this. And it just kind of snowballed, you know, um, so it was while you were still in school that you, you first started doing stuff. Yeah. And in fact, I, I had gotten close to the end of the, the my last year in college. And I was like, I don't know if I really need to finish school. Like hmm. I'm getting the work that I want to do. And do I really need to finish school? And, and uh, I went to my illustration teacher and I told him this and he goes, he goes, you know what? You're, what will happen is, yeah, you may, you may continue to get work, but, and you'll be successful at it, but you'll always regret that you just didn't take the time to finish yeah, and to have that one thing that you, you accomplished, you know? And I took that to heart and I finished. And I'm so glad that I did because there were so many other things that I learned in the classes that I had to take that um, I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't stay like, like I had to take a communication class hmm. and I was like, this is the dumbest thing I had to take. Like, I don't care about communication. I want to draw art, but <laughs> communication is so important when creating art and when talking to clients and when working with art directors, like you have to know how to communicate, you know? And I yeah. learned so much from that class that I wouldn't have gotten yeah. otherwise if I hadn't finished school. So once you kind of made that decision, like that you were going to start investing in art, um, what was your mindset like then? Like, how did you approach, like, once you decided that was your career path? Um, yeah. How did you kind of like strategically think about that as far as like getting better, um, how you were going to advance? I guess I'm more interested. I think I'm more interested in like how that started affecting like how you decided to, to improve as an artist and like um, study that. Yeah. Um, well, I, 
I think there's there's a few things. The first one is when I graduated, even though I was I was getting some work, like I wasn't getting like like big projects or even really really well paying work, you know. I was just a new kid that didn't really know anything and and in fact I had gotten one one of my goals well so I set goals. One of my goals was I wanted to do illustration for a cover for a magazine. That was like mm one of my goals. So I went out and I was just going locally to local magazines, which there wasn't very many, maybe three or four. And I was just showing them my portfolio and trying to get work. And I eventually landed a job to do a cover for Utah business magazine. And they were going to pay me 400 bucks to do the cover. And I was like, 400 oh man that's huge you know i'm like on my way i'm so excited you know and uh and back then i did everything traditional i didn't do any digital work so i did all on acrylics and so they gave me kind of the brief i went through i did the whole process i like i created thumbnails i did sketches i did all these things you know and i finally got buy off and i did the final painting and then the check came 400 bucks and i was so excited and then i went through and i and i at that time, I was keeping track of all of my hours because I wanted mm-hmm. to understand from a business standpoint, like, am I making money? Am I doing, can, where can I be more proficient? And I looked at it and I think I had spent like 50 hours on the thing. I'm like, I made like a, I made like $3 an hour. <laughs> it's like, that's like the worst ever. I'm like, I can't live on that, you know? And like, there were several projects like that that I had where I spent 50 hours on something and I'd get, make 200 bucks, you know? And I yeah. thought, I, I'm not going to make it as an artist. This is awful. Were you living on your own by this time? Yes. I, I think that's when I had a studio apartment. I was just by myself, but it, it was super cheap. The I rented it from this older lady and it was a studio basement apartment. And I didn't even have my own interest. I had to go in through the garage, but she rented it for like 375 bucks. And that included everything like utilities, oh, wow. all of that. Wow. So it was like super good deal. So, I mean, I mean, at the time too, I had, I had also taken on a job as a graphic designer for a sign company. And when I took on the job, I wasn't even a graphic designer. I was like the grunt kid down in the basement that was, um, weeding they call it weeding we call it peeling back then but weeding all the vinyl stickers so when when the vinyl stickers come off of a printer mm. or a cutting machine you have to take away the parts that you don't want anymore yeah and it leaves you with the letters or the stickers right and that was my job so i was doing that <laughs> right yeah and um so i made enough to pay for my bills and then and then i could take on those freelance projects at night you know um, but I made nothing really when you looked at it and any, and I, you know, you could say like, oh yeah, I just, I got this magazine job. So awesome. You know, it's going to come out in a few weeks and it'd come out and I'd show my family. They're all excited and everything. And my mom's so proud, you know, and, and, I, and I'm like, yeah. well, we made like $3 an hour on that. Thing. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember kind of like, art is you can always, it's like, you don't get paid very well, but the bragging is always really, really high quality bragging, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, I need to go get bigger clients, like the pay more. So I had put together this portfolio from college 
that had uh, like, like I did a lot of airbrushing back then. That was like a big deal back in the nineties and stuff. Airbrushing was huge. So I was totally into airbrushing and I had drawn or I had done a lot of airbrushing of like rap artists and um, supermodels from Victoria's Secret catalogs. Like I was like airbrushing all these things. And I put it all together and, and like this, this is before I had it printed. Um, I just had these huge paintings and I bought one of those big black, you know, cases that you can carry all your artwork around in. It's flat cases. Mm-hmm. I just loaded all of it in there and I went downtown Salt Lake to this ad agency, which at the time I didn't know was like one of the biggest ad agencies in the world. Like they had like the Intel, Intel account where they were doing all the Intel commercials back then. So I went in there and I was like, I'm here to see the art director, you know, and the, the receptionist was like, do you have an appointment? And I'm like, nope. And she's like, well, okay, hold on. And then they, she made a call and somehow I ended up in the art director's office. I was like, hi, how are you? You know, and my whole purpose of going there was to get hired by them to do artwork. And the art director wanted to chat, you know, kind of shoot the breeze and stuff like that. And I, no, I was, I was focused. <laughs> I am, I don't want to talk about the weather. I am here to get hired, you know? Yeah. And so finally he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess you don't want to talk. Let's look at your portfolio, you know? So he, he takes out my portfolio and he starts laying it all out, like low riders and rap <laughs> artists and, <laughs> and like supermodels. And and he's it's like covering his entire desk because it's just this massive pieces of illustration board with artwork on it. It's like this is really good stuff and I'm, I'm like oh, yeah it is like i'm like so excited like yeah he's gonna hire me right away it's like well we'll we'll keep in touch and then in my mind that meant like oh he's gonna hire me next week <laughs> and then, like i didn't get a call and i never got a call from that that artist or from the art director and then when i got you know actually working in the field that's when I learned that like they were one of the top agencies in the world and they were doing commercials about uh, computer chips, microprocessors. And not I was showing, <laughs> yeah, not low riders. And I was showing them artwork with low riders and rap artists, you know, like hire me, you know? <laughs> so, so dumb. It sure, it sure would have translated just fine, you know? How, yeah. how, how, how different is like a microprocessor from like a low rider car, right? Yeah. I'm sure you could handle it just fine. No, I'm sure I would have, they would have, if they would have even hired me, I'd have been like, you want me to airbrush a microprocessor with a rainbow coming up? It's like, that is so lame. You know, it's like, <laughs> I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, you've always, whenever I've worked with you, you've always had very much an attitude too of like, very much a willingness to, to do anything um, and try, try new tools and new ways of doing things. Um, was that at, was that even there? Like kind of at that period of time, were you interested in like, kind of like trying different techniques, trying different tools, or is that more of just, was that kind of the eight fish that kind of like forced you to, to kind of start having that kind of approach to things? Um, I think I was very focused on one particular look and style when I was in school, like when I was like, okay, this is what I, I had to, I had to set a goal that I wanted to be an illustrator. And then Mm -hmm. I also had to define like, okay, this is my signature look and style. Right. 
And so yeah. when I did that, I kind of said no to a lot of different things. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do watercolors. I wasn't going to do digital art. I wasn't going to do any of that. And, and digital art wasn't, was sort of like coming into itself. It was kind of growing up at the time. Right. So yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of artists doing digital art at the time. And, um, and so it wasn't until eight fish until I, I realized that I had to learn new tools to do something faster, mm-hmm. you know, that I really kind of opened my mind to like, well, how can I do this better and faster using a different tool now? And I think that's where it started. And that's stayed with me my whole career ever since then. Like yeah. I'm always looking for new tools, looking for education on new software and new ways of doing things. Hmm. Do you find, is that something that you feel like kind of an interest in, like you're drawn to, like the kind of discovery part of it? Yeah. I, I love that part of it. I like, I, I love learning new stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, new software, new tools. In fact, I was just using a new tool the other day called heavy paint. <laughs> it's like this really simplified painting tool. That's like, it's almost like tying your arm behind your back, your drawing arm, and you have to draw with your left left hand, you know, if you're if you're a righty. And and what's so cool about it is that it has these limitations that you know you have to work with. And so like for me, that's like that like gets me all pumped up. Like, oh what could I do with this with this brick tool? There's a brick tool that I can move stuff around. Like that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. And so like I just love learning new things. I love software and I love the new technologies that come out that allow me to do my job better mm-hmm. and in more interesting ways. And in fact, I often use that when I get a when I get kind of slumped in my art or I or I get a project that I'm not really excited about, I'll use that opportunity to learn a new tool to solve that one problem. Hmm. Yeah. Um I was going to say, um, yeah. And how has that, how has that like evolved your view of what it means to be an artist? Because it certainly doesn't seem like you are kind of chasing after a specific style, right? Um, but yeah, how is, how is your definition of, of, of being an artist then expanded you think since that time? Um, I think there's, there, there's a lot of us as artists that like to be purists about things. Mm-hmm. And I've come to realize that that, especially in the commercial world of creating art, you kind of have to throw that out the window. Mm. Like you can't be a purist about anything. Like if, if I can get this job done faster, especially in concept art, if I can get this job done faster by going out and taking a picture of a tree and then cropping it and slapping it into my concept, yeah. like I will do it. Right. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter to me that it's, it's a photograph that I took, you know, it's not, I didn't paint the whole thing, you know, Dude, photo manipulation can get you a long way in, in art if you can do it right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you can totally do it wrong too. Like you can yeah. get it way wrong. Like it, you have to, you have to balance that. But, but like if I can use 3d in a 2d concept, I will do it. I'll totally do it Yeah, because it'll help me get to that, that end result faster. And so, I will steal 
anything to get my job done right you know that's that's kind of an over exaggeration but with like youtube like man if i need something i'll just hop on youtube i need a pair of shoes yeah hop on youtube shoes okay great those are perfect grab that cut it out paste it into photoshop done you know yeah like like i will steal it if i have to to get the job done you know, that's something I kind of discovered like later in my career that I really enjoy doing. And I think I have like, I have a little bit of a, of a skill for is I really love like, like photo compositing, like taking, taking photos and putting stuff in them that's not supposed to be there. And obviously you can, you can take that to an illustrative place too. Um, but I think that's such like a fun, challenging way to, to approach things, you know? you can really get into those nuances of like trying to make these two things match together that yeah. are from totally different, diff- different photos, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. and it, and it brings, it brings new ideas that you wouldn't have even thought of before. Like, mm. like when you sit down, cause you only have so much in your brain, so much of that library in your brain of ideas and, and visuals you can work from that. When you go and you take art from, other things like photographs, things like that. It brings new ideas, new things that you didn't even think of before. You start putting them in there like, oh, I didn't realize I could put a skull right there. That's cool. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to paint that in, you know. So. Um, so oh. what 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 specific like areas or challenges are like compelling to you right now as you're looking at your own own abilities or or your own growth? One you know, one of the things that I'm really into right now is trying to capture realism as much as I can. Hmm. And um, that's sort of this evolution of where I started. When I, when I started as an artist in school and stuff, like everything I drew is realistic. And I think, I think some of us as artists, we start there. We always want to draw faces. We want to draw people the way they look, like our family members, things like that. And yeah. then and then as we start developing art, we start realizing, like, you know, it's cooler to draw kind of stylized character. That's kind of fun because now you're designing things, you're figuring things out. And now on our recent project for Warner Brothers, like um, everything's hyper-realism, you know? And... I've been trying to figure out how to capture that in a way that uh, that looks cinematic, hmm. that, that's lit well, that has these textures and this quality to it, and tells a story in a cinematic way, which is something I don't normally do because, especially in concept art, you're usually designing one piece, like yeah design a tree or design a rock or, you know, a car and you're designing one piece, you know, and I'd like, I want to look at, um, creating those, those big splash damage type images that kind of sell a moment in a, in a film in a story in a game, you know, that has all those elements to it, that, that captures that cinematic kind of realistic look to it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still a style there, right? But it's that, there is kind of that, there's that cinematic flavor to it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I find like from my own work over time that I tend to be more graphic in the way that I design things. I think of things in like silhouettes and big shapes and less about like the line work and less about the details and stuff like that. And so there is that style that comes into it that, that, 
gets applied to it as well. Mm. And I, and I also tend to lean towards certain like color schemes and lighting scenarios and things like that, that I kind of use over and over again, just cause I really like them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that starts to show up as like this style, you know, whatever, whatever that is exactly, you know, for, for me as a, as a commercial artist, like style is only important for the job, mm. for the project, but you do have your little touches, your little flavor touches that only you can create, that only you do, you know, because it's just a part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the reality of, of like commercial art, entertainment art. I think everyone wants to be able to have, especially, I mean, this really comes out when you're like hiring people, right? You kind of want to find a piece to fit in. Oh, we need to like plug in a piece to the, our team so we can do this stuff. And, um, every artist is different, right? <laughs> it's like, you can't, you can't copy and paste artists. Like everyone's got a little bit of their own thing. And sometimes you can meet in the little, the middle a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it's always, you're always getting something unique whenever you bring in like a new artist, you know? Yeah. So. And, and along with that, like, um, this past year, um, like, I've turned down a ton of freelance projects and I, I, since my eight fish days, I've always kept on freelancing on the side. And I was this past year, I was turning down so much and I was referring all my friends and artists and other people that I knew. And like, I realized that like a large percentage of the time they weren't using them for whatever reason. And it didn't make sense mm -hmm. to me because when I would refer somebody be like, hey, they can totally do it. I know they can do it. This is like, this, this is the type of work that they do. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to just start taking on these projects and then hiring the contractors, hiring the artists to do the work. <laughs> and, and what, what I found, and I'm still learning, I'm still kind of figuring this out. But what I found is that when you hire an artist, you should hire them for what they do, what they're passionate about because that's where you're going to get the best work and you can't kind of force them into the project, like force them to do a certain look or a certain style or, or come to certain uh, conclusions with ideas because they think totally different than you do. And they think totally different than the client. And I actually think that's a really good thing because we can celebrate those artists and their ideas and they can have a really big influence on the project. But I started out with like, hey, I got a project and they want my style specifically. So you have to match that. And, <laughs> and that's like doesn't work like and it's frustrating for, for everybody because yeah. the artist is trying to match it and they're not getting it and you're trying to push them and it's not happening. And you're doing paint over and all these other things and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And so like you said, like like um, hiring artists like hire them from what, for what they're really good at, you know, and don't, don't try to put them into a, you know, a round hole, a square peg into the round hole kind of thing. Yeah. And that's, I think that same thing kind of goes for, for like, as an, as an artist yourself. I mean, it's, it's so hard because you never want to turn down anything as an artist, right? No. Cause it's like, no. there's, there's, <laughs> there's not that much out there, you know? So sometimes people are like, we want you to do this thing. And it's, I guess you got to kind of do it, what you have to do, but, um, yeah, that definitely does remind me kind of a little bit of like eight fish days 
where it's like, hey, we want you to do this thing and make it look how Ben make it look how Ben does it. And it's like, shit. <laughs> kind of like to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of funny though. You still like in the attempt, you still like learn stuff and you're like, hey, it doesn't look like his, but I, I kinda like I kinda like how this is this is turning out in its own way, kinda good, you know. So Yeah. <laughs> There's still yeah. still stuff to be learned, even if you have to stretch and and go in some some different different directions. Um, yeah, and I think total. I, I I totally agree with that. And I told uh, um, I was just talking to my nephew. He's he's eleven. He's he he loves art. He's totally into art. And he was he's been copying like a lot of like Pokemon type art and other things. And I was just like, yes, keep doing that. Keep copying other artists. Keep pushing because yeah. you're gonna learn things from them that you wouldn't have otherwise learned if you were just drawing your own ideas. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's very helpful. I think just like, yeah, studying other artists, that's always, I always got a lot of growth out of doing that. Um, yeah. And of course, like doing any of the uh, drawing stuff from real life is a really good, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is, is also like, there's different things that are appropriate at different times in your career. You talk about like, kind of, I'm going to do whatever I can to finish this as fast as possible. That's That's like a good approach once you have a decent skill set already underneath you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't do it if you don't have that that strong baseline of skills. Yeah. You know? But yeah, early on, it's really good to be very disciplined and, and doing a lot of like the hard work of copying and, you know, trying to make stuff look like what you're trying to draw, you know? Yeah. It tends to be like a good approach early and on. I, I think when you're in that learning stage too, that's when you should really copy as much as possible because you're going to learn a ton mm -hmm. um but um if i was just talking to an artist just the other day he, he wanted some feedback on some character designs he was doing and i said his character designs looked fantastic and i was like these are great let me see your reference and when i saw his reference his reference was other artists character designs hmm. and and i said this looks great but what's happening is you're you're doing a copy of their work and they might have done a copy of their work and now you're a copy of a copy of a copy and you're starting to lose the originality that comes with that yeah and so for him he was he was doing this armor stuff and i said go back to the source where did they find this because that's where the ideas came from and then you get inspired by that and you do your own little things and now you're creating something that's way more original yeah so there is that time and place for copying people. And then there's a time and place for not copying people. You know, not copying doing people. Your... <laughs> yeah. 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 That kind of makes, reminds me, it makes me think of, I feel like every artist kind of has a point. Um, and I felt it like pretty distinctly, just like a point where it's like, you are doing whatever work you will take and you're, you're trying to learn and trying to grow as an artist and trying to like set yourself apart. But there comes a point where it's like, you aren't thinking about intentionally trying to be anything anymore, you know? And that's kind of like just where your voice emerges. I don't know if that that probably makes sense to you or it's just like, oh, okay, this is just, you're kind of just letting it happen at, at a certain point. Um, and you kind of realize like you have, and people, you know, for be lack of a better term, you have a style or you have a voice. Do you remember kind of a point where that became clear to you that like, oh, this is like, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Like where that voice kind of like came out or. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, 
in fact, I, there was a, I was, I mean, well into my career, maybe, maybe 10 years into doing work. And, and this applies more to my, my uh, freelance illustration work where I do kind of focus on a specific style. Mm-hmm. And, and before that I was doing like these fully kind of rendered style where I was worrying about light sources and the forms of character and how the light's hitting them. And, and, uh, and all these things I was worrying about all those things and I'm struggling through that, but I felt like the end result was something that had value to it and looked really good. But every time it was a pain to go through and I, and I started to realize that the more graphic I became where I wasn't, I was worried more about the design of the shapes and the, the objects and less about how it's lit and rendered. I had a lot more fun with it. And I realized that was kind of my, my voice, my kind of style. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think for anybody that's looking for, for let, their own style, their own voice, that will eventually come out like it did for me. And you'll know when it happens because it'll just kind of flow out. Things suddenly get easier, right? They get easier to do. Yeah. Yeah. And and I had, I had gotten a freelance project from a client that I had quite a bit of work with. And I said, Hey, to the art director, I said, um, I'm changing my style. Are you okay with that? (laughs) Because (laughs) I had done all this other work, which they loved, which is going to be totally different now. And they're like, "Uh, I don't know. Why don't you try and see what happens, you know? And, and luckily it worked out and they liked that too, you know? So there was a moment. Yeah. You know, there's a, I, I was, I spoke with Derek Hunter and he said something similar where he was just like, at a certain point I had to start just working with making, working with the shapes my hand naturally wanted to make, you know, and just kind of going with that. And I think there is kind of a point where you're kind of like, you're doing all this stuff that is really, really hard. And you're like kind of pushing to like, I got to do this and I got to do this. And you're like really forcing it. And at a certain point, you're just kind of like, you, you figure out the easy, easy way to do it. And you're like, okay, it does. I can do it like this. One of the big things for me was um, when I was learning how to do comics, I was like looking like people like Jeff Smith and Frank Cho that did this like really nice like line work, like this really great thicks and thins and stuff like that. Then I remember discovering like Guy Davis and his stuff was just like all like really sketchy, but it was just like beautiful, really great shapes. And I was just like, wait a second. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to do all these perfect lines. I can just like, like there's just a, and you, it's almost something you feel. It's something you feel more than like, I'm, I'm intentionally like, oh, the line, this line needs to be like this. I got to do it like this. Like I remember seeing that and just like, immediately having a feel for it and just being like, I can do that, you know? And sometimes every once in a while in art, things happen like that. You just get a feel for something where you see something yeah. and you're like, Oh, I get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super cool. And that's, that's what's so great about art, you know, like it doesn't have to be one way. It, you can be any way you want, you know? Yeah. One of the things I've realized is that I don't like drawing people in three quarter view. So not that I can't, I totally can. I just don't like doing it that way. And so I will either draw people always face front, you know, face on or from a profile view, you know, (laughs) and my, like you said, like my hand, like I can't draw people in a profile view, um, from the right side. 
So when I'm drawing somebody that has to be from the right side, I always flip my canvas and draw them from the left side and then flip it back. (laughs) I do the same thing. It's just the way my hand works, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. Um, But the other way that that happens too is like um, seeing art made like in person. There's some sort of magic about like when you see another artist drawing where suddenly it's like, oh, I've seen their art in images and books or on the internet before. But as soon as I see them drawing in person, then it's suddenly like, oh, oh, I can do that. Like there's some sort yeah. of like switch that goes off. Yeah. Um, I mean, which is one of the great things about like working, like um, if you have a chance to work with other artists, you know, I think that's like, especially other artists that like kick your butt, you know, which I've been fortunate enough to, I, I tell my daughter, the thing I always tell my daughter is like, you want to try to be the worst artist in the room. Cause that all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> always, always get in the situation where you are the worst one. Of You're the worst artist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to be good enough that you aren't just embarrassing everybody, but it took yeah. me a while to learn that where it was just like, Oh, this is like Disney working at Disney was so fantastic because everyone that worked there was better than at me at some, you know, in lots of ways, you know, but they still let me tag along. So it was, it was just great. Just bugging everyone and, uh, you know, and yeah just watching yeah. people do things. You don't even have to ask questions, just watching how other people do things. It just really pushes you. So, yeah, I, that's, that's another kind of learning thing that I love to do. And, and I, I try to do as much as possible. It's just to sit over the shoulder of someone that's working on something and just ask some questions about things. I, yeah. I would do that. I sat right next to Sam Nielsen oh, right next to me and like, man, he always like just blows my mind when he does stuff. And I would even be like, he'd start on a piece and I was like, Hey, do you mind if I just sit here and watch you do this? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he'd be painting. And I'm like, so what are you doing right there? And you tell me, and I still didn't get it. Like it was still blowing my mind. Like what? And he's talking about light and, and how light is bouncing off of things. And there's, there's the red rays and there's the yellow and everything's like interacting and they're getting caught in these little corners. And I'm like, Oh man, it's like blowing my brain. But, but I still learned, you know, and grew from those things. And, and eventually I'll, well, he's, he's light years ahead of me, but eventually I'll, I'll get to a place where he was 10 years ago, you know? I don't know. The idea of you guys sitting next to each other just blows my mind right there. It's just like the two of you, just like all you need to know about painting, just go stand right between the two of you guys. So Sam, Sam was just, he was, he's he's, amazing. He's like 20 years ahead of me. And he started as a concept artist when he was like 16. So he's just way ahead of me on, on anything. Yeah. He's doing stuff. No one else is, is like the way he approaches it. No one else is, is even thinking about, (laughs) I know. Like I, I bugged him once. I'm like, Hey, like, like I was asking him for some like tips. He's like, yeah, go read this photography, the photography book, you know? Uh-huh. And it was one of the best things I read. Cause I, it, it like, it's, it sounds so dumb, but like after like talking with Sam, this light turned on my head, like, you know, no pun intended where I was like, Oh, it's not about shading. It's about lighting. And just that flip just yeah. totally changes how you, how you look at things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing I, I've learned, from working with a team of artists is that when you ask them for feedback yeah, and they tell you what you don't want to hear, 
you know, because usually when you ask somebody for feedback, you want what you really want is you want them to say, oh, I love it. It's so amazing. I just love what everything you do. And when you're working with a group of professional artists, you're like, yeah, that doesn't work. You know, <laughs> that doesn't look good. Yeah. You yeah. might have to delete that and then start over again because that's <laughs> that's awful. You know, I need to get yeah. all mad and you prove for like <laughs> an hour or so. And you're like, OK, they were right. I, I need to fix it, you know. There was such like everyone was so well meaning though at Disney. That was what was so cool. Is I ne- whenever I asked for feedback, I like I always felt like everyone was like so um, enthusiastic about like like helping, you know. Yeah, um, and I, and, so. and from what I understand, that's rare in the industry. Yeah. Like the that that environment we had at Disney, that that group of people yeah. is really rare and hard to find. Everyone, I never really felt like any. I mean, sure, there's like a little bit of like friendly competition, but I yeah. never really felt that. I mostly just felt like everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, we're like a group of like what, like seven or something concept artists in Utah, working in Utah, you know?" Yeah. And yeah, just everyone was just excited to be there and having fun. And um, yeah, and from other concept artists that I've talked to that, that work in film and, and other games, like in other studios, especially in like LA area and stuff like that, it's like a cutthroat Jeez. environment. Like you got to hold your own, you know, and if you don't hold your own, you're going to get eaten alive by everybody else, you know. And wow. what we have or what we had there at Disney was this kind of nurturing group of artists that we were trying to outdo each other, but it was more of this fun learning experience yeah. environment yeah. than anything. Yeah. My favorite stuff was always kind of early projects where you're just like, everyone just come up with ideas and you just like, <laughs> people just throw crazy ideas like into some like concept folder and you're like, oh, what? You see what yeah. other people are doing. You're like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something cool. I'm going to like give you some ideas you go take on and people would grab other people's stuff and work on top of their concepts. And uh-huh. yeah. Part of that stealing, stealing other people's yeah. ideas and then make, trying to make it your own. Trying to do something else with it. So, yeah, there, I, I had no problem with that. There, I remember that reminds me of a piece. We were doing uh, designs for Frost Giants. Oh, yeah. Disney Infinity for the Marvel. Yeah. Disney Infinity 2. And, you know, everybody was taking a stab at him, you know. <laughs> and... And you came out with one design that just like blew my mind. Like I was like, "Holy crap, that's so awesome!" It was like, I, if I remember right, this does, it had like this this frost giant had this like massive like almost like handlebar mustache that kind of came out sideways uh-huh. in this beard that, that did it split in the middle and, and yeah, something like that. Oh yeah. wow! Like I was like, "Holy <laughs> crap, that is so cool!" You know, I, I wanted to steal that idea so bad when I saw it, but I was like, "No." In my head, I'm like, I'm gonna try to outdo Brandon right now, and, and I never. That's what it's all about, man. Better, but. <laughs> well, that was cool because I, uh, Sam did actually take that and he did like a variation on it. So I was just like, oh, Sam did something with my idea. That's cool. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just made me happy there. That's. So. I think that's one thing you you have to kind of get over too, especially working as a team, hmm. um, in a concept team, especially is that it's not about you or about your final design being chosen. It's, it's about the group effort and about finding oh, yeah. a solution together, you know, mm-hmm. because there's so many times where I was like, Oh, they didn't choose my idea. I'm so mad. But 
you don't realize that your idea helped to inspire the final idea that got used. Yeah, something else. Yeah, it's like we would see in Disney Infinity, you'd see the uh, you'd see the modelers, the guys that are, gosh, what are the the sculptors, right? Like, yeah. and you know, we would have all maybe contributed some concept, and when they got down to actually sculpting, they'd have like ten different images up on their screen, right? Like everyone's different different thing, and yeah, um, yeah, definitely collaborative. Um, that's why people sometimes it's like I didn't have a chance to do a ton of the concept because I was doing a lot of like marketing work while I was there, so. It's like when I talk about Disney Infinity, I'm like, yeah, I might have like had an influence on kind of how this pose looked on this one thing. <laughs> like it's never, <laughs> it's never like I did this, you know? Um, well, when you helped out with like, like those early phases, you know, before we got into full production on things. So yeah, that yeah. was fun. It was always fun just to like throw down on that stuff. So um, I, I think one more thing that would be fun to, to, to talk about is, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and there's, there's lots of ups and downs as an artist. And we were talking a little bit before, like about like burnout, you know, mm -hmm. and I've definitely, I think I've, I've had some, some kind of terminal burnout on, on art over the last couple of years where I'm just kind of like, I really have done very little art, like in the last two years where mm -hmm. here and there, I'm, someone may ask me to do something and I'll do it, but it's like a handful of things. Um, so I'd be curious about how you think about like burnout and how it relates to just like, I don't know, like your, your personal passion for art. Um, yeah. You know, I actually went through this experience probably two years ago now mm. where I, I didn't realize I was burning out, mm. but I found myself spending a lot of time like trying to avoid doing artwork mm -hmm. and I, even at work, like I'd have tasks and I would just be on YouTube instead, you know? And I just like, I couldn't bring myself to start projects. I couldn't, I didn't feel inspired or anything. And I didn't know what was going on. I was, and I was trying all these different things. Cause, cause you know, as an artist, we always kind of have those ups and downs where like, um, you know, there's like that week, week or two weeks or a month or whatever during the year where you can't draw anything. You can't even think of anything. It's like no inspiration at all. And that seems like a normal kind of up and down for artists. But then there's those moments where you hit that burnout. And I thought I was just going through one of those uh, down moments, you know? And so I, I, I had picked up tricks here and there to kind of get over that because you have to, you know, as a working professional, you have to get over that stuff. But so I was doing things like I was, you know, making sure I took time to go on a walk to kind of get away from things, mm -hmm. or I was, you know, exercising more, or I was trying to, um, you know, do things outside of drawing that I thought was fun that would help to uh, rejuvenate those creative juices again so I can go back and work. And none of that was working. Hmm. And it, it, I, was, I was probably like eight weeks into that before I realized that I was burnt out. Like I just couldn't wow. do anymore. Yeah. And that's when I went to my boss, who, who is Sebastian, Seb, Sebastian Gallego. And I said, look, I think I'm burnt out. <laughs> you know? And he goes, you know, now that you say that, like, it makes sense because usually you're, you're producing up here and you, you've only been producing down here, you know? Yeah. 
I was like, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do. And it's great that you can have that conversation in the first place. I think a lot of artists are, are terrified to even say like, you yeah. feel kind of broken as an artist, you know? Yeah. And he, um, you know, he had actually gone through that before. I, I don't know if you were there. Were you there when he went out through his, his burnt out phase back at, that sounds familiar to me. Disney? Did he, he might've mentioned that. That sounds familiar, but maybe you he, can. Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of broke down like, physically i remember that off. yeah yeah i remember that oh he, yeah that was really he was, like he was having all sort of like he, he was getting sick yeah he was right? sick he was he he thought he had some some disease or something like that like and then there was that day yeah. at work where he he just literally had to lay down and couldn't even wake up like he was just so yeah. completely burned out and so he luckily he had gone through that and he could see that i was starting to go through that or I hadn't gotten that bad, but I was like getting yeah. there, you know, and, and yeah. he was super supportive and was just, and even our art director of the studio, um, Jeff Bunker was really supportive too. And just like, okay, let's take it easy for a while. I'm going to, I'm going to take you off of your teams that you're dedicated to and we're going to shift you over to some other projects that you haven't been working on that might help you to kind of, get out of this burnt out phase of thinking about all these other things that you're doing. And we'll just yeah. give you some things that are just kind of fun and not a lot of pressure. And, and that helped out a ton doing that. Mm. Yeah. But the, the, the other thing that I did is I really focused on being with my family and my kids. Hmm. And I got really good at that during that time. And that really helped for me to rejuvenate, you know, to feel like, I was being successful at least somewhere, somewhere else in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but it still took almost a year, maybe wow. even more before I really felt like I was back to normal again. Um, and I, I mean, those things work for me. I don't know what, how they would work for you or for other people, but um, I think taking that time away and at least changing your environment or changing what you're doing, I think helps. It's, it's hard. You still have to work, you know, you still, yeah, have to that's, use, but. that's the tough thing about it is like, as an artist, it's not, I mean, obviously you can get burnt out doing any job, but it's, it takes so much like, like brain power. I mean, being yeah. creative is so exhausting, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> especially it when it's like, when it's a high level thing. And I mean, we talk about how fun it is to like compete with each other and be like throwing down ideas and stuff like that. But like, that takes a lot of energy. Like you're really trying to think through how to make a, a good design and, and how to do something someone else hasn't done. And I remember how hard that was for me, the period I was going through where I was still at Disney, but like I wanted to be, be doing comics and I was trying to do that on the side. And it's just like, I've got no energy to do comics. Like I'm trying to figure out all these difficult problems with my comic after I spent a day, like trying to figure out all these difficult creative problems at work. Um, and that was my burn. I mean, I, 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 uh, when I left Disney, it was kind of, things were going really well at Disney um, and the team I was working on. But I remember having this, I, I met with Seb and just, it was like a good, we had a good review and I was doing well with my team, kind of being like a de facto art director, even though that wasn't my title. Um, but I was really into it. And then 
I remember riding my bike home one day and just being like, after having this meeting with Seb and just being like, is this the trajectory that I want? You know, however much I like Disney. I mean, I love like Disney was a fantastic experience, but kind of realizing like, I can't do both these things. I can't like, I can't put a hundred percent into Disney and try to do this comic. And that was kind of when I decided like, uh, I I'm, I'm going to quit, you know, and, and, and do the comic and probably my productivity probably probably dropped after after I like <laughs> made that decision, but that was kind of my I, my burnout was trying to do both those things. And when I left Disney, it was like okay, I was I had no energy to even make my comic. Like it was the timing was kind of horrible in that regard because I was just like I was like I don't even want to make I don't even want to do this thing right now that I like put all this preparation into, and it it probably took me a year. I think it was about a year of just like trying to figure things out before I could start being, being productive again after that. So. Yeah. And you know, um, when you left, like I was actually kind of jealous because you were following your passion, you know? Mm. And I think all of us as artists, we all have that one thing that we really, really want to do, yeah. but we have, you know, bills to pay and, family to feed and whatever else you know and so we do we do the jobs that we want or that we need to do and luckily for for me that job has been a lot of fun i've learned a lot and grown you know but i yeah. remember being jealous of you going like, oh man he's following his dream like his passion he's gonna be so awesome and you did you created some awesome stuff you created a really cool property and project that that you can be proud of now you know that will live on beyond you you know yeah so yeah well it was it was definitely worth it although you know didn't didn't really like make a career out of it or anything but <laughs> and now i'm even more than ever now i'm just like yeah i just i don't want to do art for a while this is that after finishing that project and just like doing all the promotion especially all the promotion for it i was just like ugh, i just need to i need to step away from this but <laughs> yeah yeah um so anyway like uh I've also had like had a chance to check out. Maybe we can wrap up with this. Um, you got some like really great like YouTube stuff too, and some of it is like um, going over some of this realistic um, painting that you do. Are you, so are you doing very much on YouTube now too? Uh, um, I think the last one I saw was actually a little bit while ago, so I haven't checked in recently. But what's that? What you do have is like fantastic stuff. So um, oh, thanks. That's that's actually been one of my goals. The one that I can never get to is to create more content like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me as an artist, like growing up, like the only access that I had to any kind of information was like an encyclopedia or mm -hmm. going to the library. You know, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have all these resources. Right. And I feel like I, I have an opportunity to give back of all the things that I learned over the years, I have an opportunity to get back on YouTube mm -hmm. and, and to help people to understand and kind of see past the, the curtain, you know, see that, that creating this type of artwork that you can do it. There's, there's no magic to it. It's just, if you just kind of follow these steps and these ideas, then you can create this type of stuff. And so I really want to do that. And in fact, I have like a, a tutorial that I recorded. It's like, 20 hours long that I need to condense down to like an hour. Wow. But, but yeah, yeah. You know, just like with podcasts, like you, you record for an hour and it takes you six hours to edit, you know? 
So a 20 hour YouTube video is going to take me weeks to, to edit down to what I really want to say in that video, you know, but, um, hopefully when, uh, after this project comes out that I'm working on, I recorded a bunch of sessions that I did working on that project. And so I'd like to share that too when it, when it comes out, but I think YouTube is so cool. Like I learned so much from YouTube. Like, Oh yeah. Anytime I need to learn something new in a program, I just go straight to YouTube. And be like, how do you do this? <laughs> you know, and I learn how to do it. I'm like, awesome. And then go and take that and, and improves my work, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I have an obligation to give back to those artists that are starting out. And I think that YouTube's the best way to do it. Yeah. Well, I, I love seeing the stuff you're putting up there. I think it's fantastic. So I would, I would highly recommend anyone check it out. Um, so, and I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it too, you know. Well, thanks. So, um, well, anyway, Ben, uh, we've, we've gone a decent amount of time here. So um, I really appreciate you taking out the time to, to hang out with me. And it's, it's great to catch up. Um, I like to say it's, this is kind of, this is kind of my, my, my excuse to kind of like uh, catch up with people. That <laughs> I always have to have an excuse. I can't just call up and say, how's it going? You know, but. I love that doing this. I just, I just feel like for whatever reason, doing podcasts that it just goes places I never would go just like connecting yeah. with someone in another, in another way. So, um, I'm happy yeah. I had a chance to, to chat. So, yeah, me um, too. It was good to talk to you again. So hopefully we'll, we'll do it again soon. We'll do it. We'll do it in real life next time. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Go to lunch or something. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> cool. You've been listening to how to be an artist. To support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash H2BNA.